Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 162, Ending the Drinking Habit. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So today I want to talk about drinking as a habit, over drinking, um, and some things that I've recently seen about that, particularly through a workshop that I ran with five people um, who were wanting to change their drinking habits. So if you've seen uh, the binge eating course or the intrusive thoughts course that I have that are relatively new, this drinking course is in the same format, which means... I selected, I called for applicants um, to be part of this workshop. I selected in this case five who um, who had been struggling. I chose them really based on a gut feeling probably more than anything. But on paper, I was looking for people who had been struggling for quite a while, um, who had tried everything. So maybe not everything, but a lot of these people and you especially hear it, I think, in this drinking workshop, um, they had done the steps. They had done all kinds of things, all kinds of things. Um, So that's what I love, you know, because I think this new paradigm points in a really different direction and it really tends to pay off when people have already tried everything and they're sort of at a point where they're like, well, I don't know that anything else out there is going to help me. They tend to be more open to looking in a, again, a totally different direction. (laughs) Like, like it just makes sense that, okay, I get it. I, I get that it feels like you've done everything and you're the one who's beyond hope. But what if what's really going on is just that the things you've tried don't help? So if that's the case, or if there's even a possibility that that's the case, let's come look over here to- toward something that, you know, is t- very different than all of those things you've tried. I just love that sweet spot where people have done all the stuff and they're like, wow, this is this is something I haven't really tried or they've sort of dappled in it, but they know they haven't really gone head first and immersed in like, what if this is the truth of how life works? So anyway, I I, I love working with those people. So that's that was part of, um, that's always part of my decision in choosing people for these workshops is that they've tried a lot of other stuff, that they've been struggling usually for a while or that they're just really, really struggling at the moment. Um, And I also love to have people that are pretty new to this new paradigm. Um, And that's not always the case because I find these people from my mailing list. So sometimes they are somewhat new, sometimes they're not. In this case, in the drinking workshop, we had a couple, I think one in particular, but a couple who who were fairly new to this work. And um, and then a couple who weren't so much. So anyway, I ran this workshop. Um, the format is that we meet weekly for four weeks and we have two hour calls. And again, it's a small group. So with five people and two hours, we have a good amount of time to really dig into things. And so we do that for a month and then we go away and we come back a month after our last session and do a follow-up and see how everyone's doing. And we record the whole thing and then other people who are struggling with this habit or any habit really um, can watch that and get and go through the process as if they were there in that group, you know, and watch these five people have insights and see things in a different way. Watch them come with issues and see 
what I see in their issue that they can't quite see. Like that is just so incredibly valuable for observers. It has nothing to do really. I honestly feel like just observing these courses, watching this happen can be just as helpful as you being the one there because, you know, it's not, it's, it's, we're not the only ones who think or feel anything. We don't, we don't need personal treatment as much as our minds tell us that we do. Everything people are dealing with is universal. Even if you don't have a drinking habit, if your habit is something else, to to watch people go through this process around drinking, again, we, we didn't even talk about drinking all that much. We didn't talk about binge eating and the binge eating course all that much or intrusive thoughts and the intrusive thoughts course all that much. We did a little bit more there. But when it comes to the more behavioral habits or the ones, you know, that are kind of a thing we do in order to feel better, we're just not, we're just not there in the end result, in the the coping mechanism all that much because that's not what it's about. It's 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 way upstream from that. So um yeah, so I think observing this, watching this process with people is just as helpful as going through it yourself because it's not about, oh, I have this very unique situation I need to bring to Amy and get some coaching around. No, there are no unique situations. We think there are, but it's that's the beauty in it is seeing a group of people come together, bring their seemingly unique situations, and over time see that we're all the same. And that's true. Again, no matter what we're up against and no matter how we're coping with it, whether it's by drinking or eating or shopping or whatever we're doing. So um, so I, I have ran this workshop. You can watch it. It is available um, it is available to purchase by itself, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend that because it's a much, much better deal to be part of our Student Access Plus, which is where you get to see the entire library of all of the courses. So anything I do that's that I would sell for less than $200, which I would for this workshop, I, the, I would sell it for $147. You can buy it for $147. But if it's less than $200, you can also join Student Access Plus and get the whole library of them for less than $200. So it's really a complete no-brainer if you want to see this. You can pay monthly, you can pay annually, um, you get special pricing on the Little School of Big Change and and other products. So yeah, it's um, it's kind of obvious. So as you listen, if any of these things are things that you're up against, just check that out because you can watch the entire workshop for a really, really, really... Uh, low price. So drinking, I after being with this group, which was amazing, um, they're all amazing. I just really fall in love with these people as we spend this time together and we're just connecting and sharing what we're up against. Um, a few themes came out, you know, as, as they often do, that I thought would be really helpful to put into a podcast episode for anybody who's who's dealing with drinking or again, pretty much anything. So the first thing that I think is important to say around alcohol is, is that it looks different on the surface. You know, like this is, this is one of those topics and all of them are to some extent, but this is really one of those where people say, yeah, but isn't this different from binge eating or hoarding or shopping or gambling or being on my phone too much or whatever. Like this is a physical addiction. My 
brain and my body are physically addicted, perhaps, if that's the case, if that feels like the case for you, to alcohol, to this drug, you know, and this has, this isn't thought, like this is physical, it's different. And I get that, like that makes sense on some degree, but I really want you to see how it's not. It's not to say that, yes, there isn't a, an addictive substance at play here that's, that's leading your body and your brain to produce all kinds of crazy feelings. That is the case as far as I can see. So yeah, I think that is true. Whereas maybe, maybe um, something like a shopping habit or a hoarding habit or I don't know, some other behavioral thing, uh, brain chemistry and body stuff perhaps aren't involved in the same way as when there's an addictive substance. But even as I say that, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, they are. Just maybe a difference of degree, you know, maybe it it feels different. But mostly I think it's that we, we've been told that it's different and we expect it to be different. So the point about alcohol is if, if you're thinking, yeah, I have a drinking habit, but it's different from all these other habits that she talks about because it's a real physical addiction. What if it's not so different? What if and I'm not negating that there's a physical thing going on. So yes, again, your brain gets habituated to the feeling of alcohol. It starts to not feel, it takes a lot more drug, obviously, to start to feel the effects of it. When you stop drinking, you feel all kinds of unpleasant stuff. But still, even in that, even in that as an absolute truth, you're simply feeling life. Like you're feeling, no, just keep calling it stuff. You're just, you're feeling stuff. You're feeling physical withdrawal. You're feeling what might feel like really intense craving. That is human psychological experience. Even when it's physical, it's human psychological experience because we don't feel physical by itself. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as physical by itself. We feel everything as our mind projects it to us and gives it to us and narrates it and interprets it, that's what we feel. So if you've ever been in what's felt like a really deep depression or dealt with pretty severe anxiety, you know those are physical. We don't think of them the way we think of an alcohol addiction. But they're every bit as physical. They can be every bit as physical as cravings and withdrawal symptoms around a drug or a substance. I mean, you feel anxiety in your body. You feel depression in your body at times. Your your brain gets habituated to where it's going to go and what it produces with a substance and with depression and anxiety and all kinds of other things. So again, I, I don't, I just I just say this to kind of put it out there in a big picture that if your mind is saying, oh yeah, this is different, just just be curious about that. It is perhaps different physically in some ways. Sure, everything is, everything is. But don't let that be something that keeps you from hearing something in this, you know? Don't let that be sort of the the big butt that you carry around. Oh, well, mine's different, so I'm really up against it. Or, oh, my whole family's been addicts, so I'm really up against it. No. Be willing to see that in a different way. Ultimately, whatever your brain chemistry is doing is something that you are not. 
whatever your body is doing is something that you are not. So where we're always, always looking here is not at changing experience, not at trying to manage experience, not at trying to cope with or deal with experience, but much bigger at seeing that we are not that experience. Any experience, whether it's severe withdrawal and detox feelings or happiness and joy, they're still experience. <laughs> they're, they move through us. They are not what our mind tells us they are. Our mind jumps on them and labels them and tells stories and that's what we feel. We're feeling energy and physical stuff and we are designed to feel all of it, good and bad, all the same and it all wants to move through. And we can see something about softening into and letting it all move through. And when we do, it all, it, there's something on the other side of that. You know, it, it's, it takes care of itself in a sense. So let me talk about some of these themes. There are like three or four kind of major themes that came up in, um, in our work as a group. And I'm going to kind of talk about them in order because as we went through the four weeks together, a lot of these things were seen through or sort of resolved in a sense, um, but they, they were seen to, seen differently. So I'll kind of present them in the order of like, okay, brand new, fresh, here's how things look to people. And then as we moved through our exploration together, different things came up and, and other things fell away or looked different. So right off the bat, there was this really big theme of this tug of war, which I thought was so such a great description. It really does feel like that. So in in even, you know, our introductions and just these five people coming together and meeting for the first time and talking about what they've been through, there was a real uh, connection around this feeling of a tug of war, meaning at times everything in them is wanting to drink and and glamorizing alcohol and how it feels and telling them that this is the, they know it's their mind, you know, telling them this is the solution to all your problems and it's just so wonderful and it's the best thing ever and you feel like yourself when you're drinking and all of that stuff. And at the exact same time, them knowing no way, like <laughs> this just can't be. I also equally hate alcohol and I wish that I had never taken a drink ever and I just want to never see it again and I just want to never want it again. This was this was a big one that came up. I always have them in these groups early on kind of uh, talk about what freedom looks like to them. And I do that because I know how much that's going to change over just four weeks together everyone comes in with certain ideas of what freedom means and everyone without exception after hours together, uh, their definition of freedom expands and gets so much bigger and is very different than how it started. So in this case, definitions of freedom were things like, I want to not want it. You know, I wish I could walk down the street, walk by a cafe, see people sitting outside having a drink and just not even care. I want to just look the other way. I want to be with alcohol the way I am with food, they said, which of course the people in the 
binge eating course that I want to be with food the way that I am with alcohol. I could take alcohol or leave it. I really don't care, but food really has me. Well, the drinking people said the exact opposite, you know? So they, but they had these really um, kind of, kind of specific fantasies of how they wanted to feel, how they wanted things to look and feel around this. And largely they just wanted to not want it. And they wanted the tug of war to stop. So this tug of war, again, is just such a, um, such a common thing. And, and if you've had a habit or addiction, you know, like how exactly how that feels, where it's just so frustrating and painful because you totally know better. You don't want this at all in your life. You know, you don't need it. You know, things could be so much better without it. And at the same time, it feels like it has such a, such a pull. So the thing about the tug of war that I think is really insightful to look at is that life, like life doesn't have tug of wars, tugs of war. I don't know how to say that, plural. Life doesn't have that. A mind has it. So when we're, and our mind has it a lot, like a tug of war is like a feature of a mind, right? Minds flip-flop. They ping pong. We can use any any uh, sport you like. <laughs> it's like a tennis match in our heads. I mean, it's back and forth, on and off. Yes and no. They go back and forth to these extremes. So minds are full of, of a tug of war, a this, then that. But life isn't. So it gets to be this really clear um, signal, this really clear sign for you when you're in this tug of war where you're like, oh, my mind is trying to figure this out. It has conflicting needs and wants and desires. And you just want to see that. Now, what we all do is we don't just stop and see that. We jump in the tug of war and we try to fight for the good guy. This is what willpower is. It's there's a tug of war happening and we say, oh, I want this side to win and I want that side to lose. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to pull hard for the, for the winning side. I'm going to try really hard to overpower that side of me that says, oh, don't you really want to drink? I'm going to pull hard for the side that says, no, I am not going to do that. And then, of course, we just stepped into a tug of war. We get exhausted. It takes a lot of energy. We're fighting. We're fighting. So that's how it is. Now, sometimes when, our, when we don't have any willpower, we still jump right into the tug of war, but we go fight for the other side. And that's a little bit less of a fight because we tend to just surrender and go do our thing right away. So you still feel the tug of war as if that's, the, that's all there is. Like this is inevitable. Of course, there's a tug of war, but you know what? I'm not going to fight today. I'm just going to go do my habit. I'm just going to go have the drink and that'll make all this, this tugging and fighting cease. And it does for a short period of time. But either way, I'm just see, we either give in or we will power. Either way, we're stepping into the fight. We're picking a side. We're going with it. We're experiencing the tug of war bigger than ever. And we want to see that there's another option. We want to see that when it feels like there's a tug of war happening, that is showing you that your mind is arguing with itself. 
Your mind is a dog chasing its own tail, saying, I want it, I don't want it, I want it, I don't want it, over and over in circles, getting nowhere. And again, just like we said around the physical withdrawal and symptoms and cravings and all of that with addiction, it's the same thing here. It's like, oh, that's a mind doing what a mind will do. That's a brain. If you want to call it an addicted brain, a dependent, alcohol-dependent brain, fine. That's still, it's a brain doing what a brain will do and a body doing what a body will do and your mind talking the way a mind will talk. But there's nothing in that that you need to dive into and fight for. Our stance, like, like what the other option, what's also possible is seeing that that is just the form doing what the form is doing and knowing that you're not that. And just as I say it that way, it's just, I'm just putting it out there as a, as an idea to sit with. Now don't try to mentally turn this into a strategy because then it just becomes another form of willpower. Like, okay, next time I feel the tug of war, I'm going to push the whole fight away and I'm going to say, no, I'm bigger than that. No, it's not really what I'm saying. I just want you to play with this idea. Just notice how what we do is much more like jumping in and picking a side and then pulling on the rope. And what's possible is is being curious and exploring and being in a place where we can just simply see, oh, there is a war going on, period. And when we aren't pulling either side of the rope, you know what happens? The whole thing collapses. The fight is over. When both, when both sides aren't, when it's not being pulled from both sides, the fight's not going to last much longer. So it's almost like this, again, these are just words, but it's almost like this, this rising above, this, this being able to see, oh yeah, like my kids are fighting over there, but the last thing I'm going to do is jump in and try to solve their stupid argument. <laughs> like I'm just going to step away or say to both of them, hey, stop fighting, or whatever that looks like. But you're not going to jump in and be like, oh, I think this one's right. You really did, you know, put your hand on his side of the car, <laughs> or whatever stupid thing they might be arguing about. No, you, you'd naturally rise above it. Why can't we do that with ourselves? We can do that. We can do that with our own experience. And it's not something we do. It's just something we kind of see, oh, yeah, that's another option. That's possible. It's always been possible, but the fight is big sometimes, and it takes up our whole experience at times. And when we can step back enough to see that this is something playing out and it doesn't have to take up our whole experience, it, it starts to not. We start to feel and notice, oh, this is a possibility. We notice possibilities that have always been there, but we couldn't see them. So that's the tug of war theme. And it was, um, it was a big one early on. And it's interesting that we didn't talk about it too much. Like I probably just said to you was as much about it as I said to the, to the group of five participants in 10 hours together. But, but just by virtue of what we explored from that point forward for all of our time together, this whole tug of war thing started to look really different to all of them by the end, which was awesome. That was exactly what I was going for. That again, this is not a strategic thing we have to figure out, but that the tug of war is more, the feeling of this tug of war is more just an indication that our mind is taken over and it's just arguing for things. And that as our mind settles down or as we see that we are not that, it just begins to look different on its own. 
Okay. So the next theme, and this is really huge. I mean, it's kind of weird to even call this a theme because I think this is what the problem always is. This is what's behind all suffering, all habits, all addictions, is um, some seeing something around feelings and <laughs> seeing something around feelings, but but ultimately not just seeing something around feelings, just feeling them. Oh my gosh, can we just feel them? So this is even f- far outside of just this over drinking workshop. I don't know, this is just becoming like so apparent lately in the last couple of months to me that how often we want to jump into our heads to get some sort of shortcut so that we don't have to feel something. And and I I'm thinking about it even just in terms of like this understanding or whatever this is that we're talking about. Um people saying things like, well, you know, if I could just if I could just understand this or if I could just get that there's no me or if I could just get this little insight or whatever, then I'll be fine. And and we talk about this idea, people talk about this idea of spiritual bypassing, right? Where where our mind can take some really beautiful, helpful truths about who we are and how our experience works and turn them into a strategy to help us not be human anymore. Like if I could just see this enough, then I won't have to feel, I won't have to go through this thing in life. I won't have to feel. And that's exactly what this is. It's feeling bypassing where we think, oh, well, let me just learn this enough or understand how this works. Then my feelings will all be really manageable and no big deal. (laughs) And it's bypassing. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And it's going to it's gonna take a lot longer. You're going to feel a lot more that you don't want to feel in the process when truly the shortcut, I mean, there really is no shortcut, but the shortest, easiest path is to just feel what's there. And if you look in all prolonged suffering, so habits, addictions, anxiety, like things that are that sort of feel ongoing, there is a constant habit of not feeling, of pushing away and resisting. It's behind everything, everything. So it came up a lot and really what it's again, it's it doesn't even make sense to call it a theme. I mean, it is kind of what we're here looking at in over drinking and any workshop you might do on any topic like this, it's about feeling. But it was really fascinating to watch the participants early on say things like, um, like, oh, I had this really bad day. I had a fight with my partner. Everybody at work was a jerk to me. So I was going to, so I decided I'd go home and drink over it. Or like they would say things like that. They would say things like, well, you know, like really clearly knowing, oh, what am I drinking to avoid? Or what am I trying to you know, this problem in my life, it led me to drink it away or something like that. And and so it just was so clear to them even, oh, wow, there's something here about feeling like we just can't handle what's coming our way. And so again, it's woven throughout everything. But part of where we where what I think was amazing, where we ended up really going with this is is 
it was also the inspiration for the episode I did on generalizing, which was, I don't know, maybe a month before this one that I'm recording right now. Um, how, again, like somebody is difficult at work and we say, we, our mind takes that and puffs it out into this very generalized experience. Oh, that person's a jerk. No one appreciates me. No one, you know, I can't believe people treat me this way. Whatever, whatever kind of blanket, highly generalized statement a mind spits out, it's like it's just a little puff of smoke, but it somehow feels like it turns into this solid brick that hangs over our heads and we can't handle it and it weighs us down and it feels real, but it was never, it's not a solid brick. It's still a puff of smoke. We just believe it, you know? So, so this is what minds do. They generalize all the time. So yeah, someone's rude to you. Your mind is likely to make that about you. We all know this, you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing. It means nothing about you. It means nothing about your day. It, it, requires no particular, you know, feeling or experience on your part. You could laugh just as easily as you could cry, but that's not how it feels because a mind takes it and, and spits out this highly generalized story. No one appreciates me. This is not the right job for me. Like no one treats me well, whatever, whatever. And with that, with that highly generalized thing, hanging over our heads and feeling like it's weighing us down and feeling so true, we think we need to do something. We don't see, because again, it looks like a brick. It doesn't look like a cloud. So we don't see that it's already breaking up and dissolving and new thoughts coming in and the old stuff's washing out. Like that is always happening, but we don't see that. We think we're staring at this, this mirage is now this statue. It's this solid, heavy thing weighing us down and we feel it as in line with how we see it. We just feel it in line with how we think it is. And we can't, we don't like this feeling. I don't like this feeling, therefore I'm going to dot, 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 <laughs> fill, in, fill in your vice, you know, that's it. That's all it is. So part of what we really looked at is like just that whole uh, generalization piece. And if we can see that that's happening, but also see see it at lower levels of generalization of really seeing, wow, that's not really what's going on here. What's really going on here is, is there's, you know, people are saying stuff and life is unfolding and things are happening around us. Our mind is making a story about it and we're feeling some energy. And then the scene shifts and new players are saying new things and the energy shifts. But, but if we're stuck back in the old scene, and no, this means something and I'm carrying it with me and now I'm going to have a bad day over it. And again, I'm not suggesting we're doing this on purpose, but this is how it feels to us when our mind generalizes and we believe it. It just feels like the only option. Of course, this is going to ruin my day. Of course, I'm going to drink when I go home from work now to make this feeling go away. When it looks that way. So there's so much incredible value, again, honestly, probably more value than there is in anything else I can think of in going beneath that highly generalized level of things and just being curious and feeling what's there before labels and words and meaning gets pulled in. And so I'm talking about it now in terms of a, 
a feeling that we don't like that we end up doing our habit to not feel. But this generalization thing is everything. I mean, we talked about it in this course a lot also in terms of of the labels of being called an alcoholic or I have this problem and all of that. I mean, that's another perfect example of this. At a highly generalized level, you call yourself whatever you want. Beneath that level of generalization, when we really look before, as we start to break up the language and get get to life that's happening, as this energy is moving through us, like before the words and the labels, you're not anything. You're not even you until words come in and call you you. A feeling is just, it's not anything until words come in and call it a feeling. And it's certainly not a, I can handle it, I can't handle it. Duh, you've handled everything. Hello, there's absolutely nothing so far in your life that you haven't handled if you're still alive. Like, it it doesn't even make any sense when we start to dip beneath these really high generalized, highly generalized, you know, conversations our mind has. So we just want to get out this little microscope and look at this at this microscopic level. It's like a little hit of energy hits someone, you feel some stuff, it breaks up, it moves away. That's how life works. That's what's really going on here. But but when we puff it out and turn everything into a big story, it was they don't treat me well and I don't deserve that and I can't handle this feeling and therefore I'm going to go home and drink. Or it was, oh my gosh, I really want to drink. I'm in a super strong craving urge right now. I don't think I can handle this. I just have to do it and I'll quit again tomorrow. That is highly, highly generalized. When you're looking at it from from your microscope and you're really down in the little tiny details and weeds of it, all that's happening is some some faster energy and a bunch of stories. And then eventually the energy slows down and the stories shift. Those are two ways of describing the exact same experience. So feeling is everything. Feel Not being afraid of this stuff, seeing it for what it is. And, and often that is, to me anyway, I think it's really helpful to see how our mind just turns it into something it's not. But that doesn't mean jump up into your head and let's have a mental conversation about this so that you don't have to really feel it or so that you don't get bad feelings again because that's not going to happen. We can understand this all we want and you're still going to feel however you feel. You're still going to feel a huge range of experience and it's not going to take away all pain and it's not supposed to. That's that's not what we're doing here. We're not becoming non-human. We're becoming more fully human. So the third big theme, and this is the final one that I want to talk a little bit about, um, was is around conditioning. And this comes up in a lot of different ways also with all habits, but I think especially so with alcohol. So um, so the conversation around, again, there's many forms it takes, but largely around us thinking that alcohol does something for us that it's not really doing. It's this very um, glamorized, like attractive view of alcohol of like that we've We've been sold, obviously, we've been sold this idea that on the bigger scale, when we're talking about advertising and all of that kind of stuff, you know, we've been sold this idea that alcohol is super fun, that it's how you relax, that it's, you know, social, that you connect with people and make friends better and more easily when you've had some drinks, that 
there's something wrong that you'll be ostracized and kicked out of the tribe if you're the one who doesn't drink. Like that's just pure business. People have built a business and made billions and billions of dollars around selling us this idea. And I can say that really simply, and it doesn't mean that every single one of us is not affected by this on some level. I truly believe we are. And again, the same, if very similar for food and for other things, although I think alcohol is uh, it's a huge, 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 huge one. So yeah, that's someone's business model that unfortunately has negatively impacted all of us in one way or another. And it's nothing but a business model. It's nothing but a set of ideas and images that we've been sold and that we've bought into. Now, on a more, because we couldn't help it, I'm not blaming anyone. Like it's, it's, it's just what's looked true. On a more personal level, I guess, of that same thing, we, there's also a ton of conditioning just for each one of us. Like, like to the, to the, point of, and we talked about this a lot with a lot of different habits, you, you're having, you feeling really horrible. You're trying to not drink, but, oh, you just decide, fine, I'm just going to give in. I'll I'll quit tomorrow. I'm just going to have some drinks. You're on your way to the drink. Nothing has entered your bloodstream yet. And you already feel so much better. That's conditioning. And again, that happens with every habit there is. It, and and so it kind of goes back to that point I was saying in the very beginning where people want to argue innocently, like, no, this is different. It's a drug. The drug does all this stuff to me. Fine. But what about that? <laughs> like, what about the fact that just deciding you're going to drink, you feel better? What about just putting putting the first little sip in your mouth? The drug has barely even hit your brain yet. There's not enough of it there to do anything. And already you feel better. Like that is conditioning. That is not about a substance or a drug or the effects, the direct effects of a substance or drug. It's a direct effect of thought. Everything is. But this is such a clear example of it. So Big picture, societally, business-wise, all of that, we're totally conditioned to believe alcohol does something for us that it truly doesn't. And interpersonally, like just individually, we all have this too. We have these expectations. But what's so interesting to start to see is, again, that's all high generalized. When we really look, when we really get curious and we really look, it just can't be. So first of all, if alcohol, for every time that alcohol has helped you relax and be social and feel good, how often has that exact same alcohol had you feeling horrible or wanting to withdraw or being feeling angry or emotional or all the, all the other sides of that? If it truly did nothing but good, I think we'd just all live drunk but it doesn't work that way. It always, there's more to the story, but our conditioning has us only seeing what matches all the images and stories that we've been sold. So again, there's no way, and everyone who's ever drank to any extent can tell you, yeah, sometimes it feels great and like lights you up and it makes you more social. Other times you have one of those nights or depending on your mood going into it and it has almost the complete opposite effect. So clearly alcohol is not doing it. The drug itself is not doing this. Our thinking is clearly. Also, if drinking gave you courage or made you more social or helped you relax, and I love that, I got, I 
read this in like um, books by Jason Vale, um, Annie Grace. Many people write about this in, in their books around drinking. If it were really doing those things for you, then why don't, how come when a 16-year-old is really nervous about an exam she has to take, we don't say, oh, go have a drink and you'll relax. In fact, if that 16-year-old were to go have a drink, she would not relax. <laughs> Most likely, if that was her first drink and she, you know, it would, she would not relax because alcohol does not relax people. Our expectations of it doing that does. So someone who's new to this, they don't get all that feeling. It's us buying into the story, buying into the illusion over time. That's what leads to it. And and for sure, it, it probably does. Like, like conditionings, are, you know, we really feel that. So if you expect alcohol to relax you, you will feel more relaxed. It's not to say that you won't. If you expect it to make you feel more social, you probably really feel will feel more social. So it's not to say that it doesn't work in that way. But let's just really get curious about, about the alcohol piece. That's just like a pawn here. That's just like a, a prop in the story. Alcohol's not doing it. Thought is. Food was never doing it. Thought was. So that's huge. It's like, okay, this is, if we needed to hear it at all, this is proving it. Like it's not about the alcohol. And that's amazing. That's really great because it opens up so much. It's like, if nothing else, it just opens us up to saying, wow, this is not at all how my mind tells me it is. I might not still understand what the heck's going on, really, but I know it's not what my mind, it's not this cut and dry, here's what you need and it always makes you feel better and oh no, too bad that, you know, it also has some bad effect. Like, no, it's just not like that. There's, there's, a deeper place to look beneath all those generalized ideas. And when we start to see that all those generalized ideas are truly so inaccurate, so contradictory, it, it, like it sucks us into the lower level, which is amazing. It gets us curious. It gets us saying, do I even like how this feels? Or does my mind just convince me that I do over and over again? If you really notice how you feel when you drink or whatever your habit is, when you do your habit, I bet you'll be shocked. I bet you'll be shocked. I'll bet you it is very, very, very different than the idea that your mind gives you about how it feels or how it goes or, you know, what, what that process is like. And, and that's, that's all we have to know. Like, just be curious at that level and explore this for yourself. Because I don't think anyone's doing this. <laughs> I, you know, we just don't think to do that. It just looks like how it looks. So the conditioning piece was another big theme that I just think is so, so valuable. And we all sort of have a sense of this on some level, but to really explore it just goes a really, really long way. So I hope this has been helpful. If you're wanting to see your own drinking habit in a different way, or again, any habit, um, there's just so much that's not as it appears. And as we, as we get curious about like, what is this feeling anyway that I'm thinking I need to drink over? What is this pull 
and this appeal, these pictures my mind creates of this being so glamorous and fun. What if it's, what if my mind's wrong? Like we just open up to some of that stuff, this tug of war. What if that is not inviting me to jump in and pick a side and fight? And that's what's been keeping me stuck in this. What if there's another option there too? It just starts to paint a whole different picture. And I'm so grateful for these five people that were incredibly open and went through this experience with me. And what I saw through for all of them, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts in case you check out the course, but we had our one month follow-up. And again, these workshops are never about, oh, drink less and we're going to mark your progress or anything like that. But on our follow-up quite a bit, it changed. And in the very, um, I don't want to say, like it's always different, but but it's always kind of the same. So uh, there was some, I haven't drank in a month. There was some, I'm drinking a lot less. What was universal amongst the five of them was a deep, so much deeper understanding of what's going on and far, far, far less beating themselves up. Drinking and how much they're drinking and how they're going to quit drinking was not on their minds after this in the way that it was when they started. And that can only be a good thing. <laughs> that can only be moving them in a really helpful direction. So much more bouncing back, so much more ease, so much less judgment. To me, that is freedom. That is the ice melting. The ice that like the solidity of like holding this problem in place and I have to fix this problem and it's me and it's my problem. As the ice starts to melt, that falls away. And there is just no way a destructive habit is going to continue with that ice melted. It just isn't. And I've seen that in all of these workshops so far, and it's just so awesome to see. So I hope this has been helpful. Uh, If you're drinking again and you want to check the course out, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can check it out and check out Student Access Plus. I mean, for $24 a month, you can get this course and all the other ones. It's it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Anytime we're struggling, anytime, anytime we feel like we need something that we don't already have. It's just this call home. You know, it's just this great opportunity to see, wow, this can't be. It can't be that I need to add something to feel okay. It can't be that something's truly missing. And and so I think as I'm sure you've heard me say many times before, I mean, that's why these these things we find ourselves caught up in are just amazing opportunities, amazing gifts. They're not personal. They're not personal. They're just, um, they're just wisdom kind of calling us home. To check out the Freedom from Overdrinking course I've been talking about, go to dramiejohnson.com slash freedom from overdrinking. You'll get to follow these five awesome people as they saw themselves and their habits and their feelings and drinking and alcohol in a really, really different way. I just love this format. It's kind of like watching a reality show where you get to catch the insights of everyone who was really there going through it. So when you go, you'll see that there's an option that you can purchase this course all by itself. You'll have lifetime access to it for $147. Or you can get this course along with a bunch of other ones through Student Access Plus. You'll see this when you go to the page to check it out. So Student Access Plus, again, has the best of everything I offer. You would get this course, a bunch of other courses, 
plus discounts on things like the Little School of Big Change and other things I offer for one really low price. So it's really kind of a no-brainer to check it out in that format if you're interested. Another great way to find freedom from over-drinking or any habit at all is to join the Little School of Big Change, of course. So the fall course begins next week, one week from today on August 30th. I would so love to have you. This is the most comprehensive, supportive, interactive way to find freedom from drinking or anything you're up against. You can check it all out and enroll at thelittleschoolofbigchange.com. And remember that you still save $47 this week. So beginning August 30th, the price goes up a little bit. So enroll now and I would love to spend six weeks with you this fall in the school.